Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. This is our 10th week in the book of Acts, and we'll be probably continuing this through uh, probably up to August. And uh, the book of Acts records the early church and the fulfilling of the mission that God gave his followers is basically is to go and make disciples of all people, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that was the mission that Jesus gave his apostles before he ascended up into heaven. He says, hey guys, you guys need to go do this and make more disciples. And those pe- disciples need to do the same thing you're doing. You go make a disciples and, and baptize in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden it's the birth of the church. It's an exciting time. Last week we looked at chapter 9 where we saw the conversion of a man named Saul of Tarsus who we know as the Apostle Paul who wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. And uh, Saul had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. His life forever changed. He went away from the colleagues of old and he was embraced eventually with the help of Barnabas. He was in- embraced by, with the apostles and this new group called the Way who were the followers of Christ. It was if you didn't get a chance to watch that or hear that, it's on our website. You're welcome to listen to that. I think it's a great message. Um, today, we're going to look at the last 11 verses of chapter 9. And then we're going to dive into chapter 10. So we're going to bite off a big chunk. And we have quite a bit of scripture reading today in the book of Acts. So I encourage you to turn to, in your Bible or into your devices to Acts chapter 10. But the... As we look at the last 11 verses, I'm not going to take time to read them today. The last 11 verses of chapter 9, we see that there's two great miracles that are performed by the Apostle Peter. And uh, we're going to briefly look at them because I believe it helps us, it leads us into chapter 10, which will be our main focus for today. But the two miracles that were performed was uh, pretty amazing miracles. One was Aeneas, which he was paralyzed for seven or eight years and and Peter miraculously healed this man. And then it talks about a second miracle that took place in a woman that was named Tabitha, or I think her Greek name was Dorcas. I don't know either one of the names I would choose, but anyhow, that's what the two that she was given. And so Tabitha was dead. And it says in the Bible that she was, a, she was loved in her community because she did these wonderful, she was a giving person, she was loved, and people were, were upset, they were mourning, and, and Peter comes in and raises Tabitha from the dead. And the miracles are taking place. We sang that last song that we believe in miracles. What a powerful song to lead into this. The miracles, and catch this, I want you to catch this thought. The miracles that were taking place, it says in the Bible, that many people were hearing about it, and they were believing in the name of Jesus. It was taking them, it was changing their heart away from darkness and they were believing in the power of Jesus' name. Throughout the Bible, we see how God uses the miraculous to change the hearts of people. If you read God's word, you'll see this time and time again how God does the miraculous to all of a sudden impact the heart of a person. As followers of Jesus, it's important why we need to believe in the miraculous. Because the miraculous does something and all of a sudden it sets it apart that this is not just a a dead God, this is not just a wood statue, this is a living, breathing God that can speak into your life and pour out His Spirit into your life. Life Life-changing God. 
And this brings me to the beginning of a third miracle that many times we just miss. And we just kind of overlook it. But it's the miracle of a heart change. Many times, you know, with Pastor, oh, Pastor Tom, you're talking about a heart change. And, and so many people chase after the miracles that are physical miracles. But I wanted to share with you today, I believe the greatest miracle that can ever happen, and I'm saying this truthfully, in a person's life is the miracle that happens inside of us, not outside of us. Physical miracles are great. They're, they're fine. They're, it's wonderful. I mean, we want to see healings. We pray for healings. We believe for healings. Amen? But if you read through the Bible and if you look at the Apostle Paul's or Apostle Peter's life, the miracles that were taking place were for one purpose. It was to point people to Jesus so that there could be a greater miracle taking place in the lives of people. And that would be that their heart would be changed from darkness into light. To go away from sin and towards Christ. That was the purpose of the physical miracle so that there would be an inner miracle taking place. See, the inner miracle in your life will last for all of eternity. I could be healed of my leg, which would make it great for me while I'm here on this earth. But it doesn't have any impact on me for all of eternity. The miracle that takes place that happens as impact on my life is the miracle of a changed heart. And we're going to talk about a changed heart today. I argue that the miracles, the inner miracles are greater. And the outer miracles are just for the purpose of leading us closer and closer to God. And I want to read an interesting verse. Chapter 9, we see the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. We see that whole thing, the bright light on the road to Damascus. Amazing miracles. Then we go right into that last part of chapter 9 and we see how all of a sudden we get given two wonderful miracles of these two people that were... that. The Apostle Peter healed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the chapter ends with these these two verses, and I read them to you today, verses 42 and 43 of chapter 9. The news spread through the whole town, and many people believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon, a tanner of hides. And I look at that, and I think it's an interesting end of this story. Why does Luke, the author of the book of Acts, Why does he give us this detail regarding that Peter stayed a long time and he also stayed with this man named Simon who was a tanner? Why? why, There's many times I read in God's word and all of a sudden I'm just kind of left hanging. I'm thinking, man, I would love to have more details. Come on, give me the details. And all of a sudden in this chapter we're given a detail. I'm trying to go like, why is that connected to, why do we need to know that Simon stayed with, Simon Peter stayed with this other Simon who was a tanner of hides? Why are we given the detail? Let me just share a couple thoughts with you today. In Jewish culture, a tanner was one of the most unclean jobs that you could ever have. It was an occupation that was kind of low on the list. In fact, according to rabbinic law, if a tanner concealed his occupation when he was engaged and he got married, guess what? That could make his marriage null and void if he concealed that he was actually a tanner. That's how much they looked down upon that. And if you're someone that does something with hides and think you're going to get out of your marriage, that's not the case today. So just get out of that thought in your mind. But there's a couple of reasons why a tanner's job was considered unclean. I think one is because they, they came in contact with dead things or dead animals. And if they were, by Jewish culture, if you came in contact with especially an unclean dead animal, that was not a good thing. 
The second thing was that it was just the stench and the filth and, that was associated with the work. And usually tanners would have to be located a certain distance outside of the city just so that the smell did not permeate the city. So it just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't the greatest thing. Either way, I want you to understand that Luke decides that it's important for us to have this detail at the end of this chapter that, hey, I'm going to give you this detail that Simon Peter stayed with Simon the Tanner. What's the purpose? Why? And I believe it was to display to the readers who are you and me today that Peter was continuing this progression in his life away from the legalism of the Mosaic law and more into the freedom of Jesus Christ. He was making this transition from this Mosaic law that he grew up with and he's transitioning because Jesus fulfilled the law and now he's making this transition in this freedom towards Christ. Peter staying at the house of Simon the Tanner is proof of this continual change of heart. And we know from the Gospels that he learned this from Jesus himself because Jesus used to go out and hang with the publicans and the tax collectors. He was at the bars witnessing the people, sharing the good news about himself and the prophetic word. And he was there and the Pharisees couldn't understand, why are you hanging out with these disreputable people? Why are you hanging out with this scum? Why would you even take this time? And so Peter was there seeing what Jesus was doing. So Jesus is already modeling this in Peter's life. And one time, if you remember, Jesus responds to the religious leaders in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. When they were questioning him, why are you hanging with these people? He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner. Peter is continuing this practice of taking the good news. He's continually taking the good news to everyone, everyone, no matter their social or economic status or the type of job that they worked. Peter was after sinners. Even if the Pharisees saw him as being you know, unfit or unworthy to, to go approach these people, why are you doing these things? Peter was following after Christ. Amen. Yet in Peter's heart, there was still a change that needed to take place. And we're going to discover that change in chapter 10 of the book of Acts. It's interesting that this story takes place in a town called Joppa, or in the city of Joppa. And I've never really connected these two for the first time today. I don't know why I read through them too fast or too quickly. But Joppa today is located in the southern part of Tel Aviv. It's actually, you can actually go there. It's called Jaffa, J-O-F-F-A. And it's the old historic ancient town of Joppa. And if you remember, Joppa is a location where Jonah went to go purchase a ticket. Do you remember when all of a sudden God called upon Jonah and he said, Hey, Jonah, I need you to go to preach a message of repentance to the Ninevites. And remember, Jonah had this hatred against the Ninevites. He had a racism that he didn't despise the Ninevites. And he knew that if he went and preached that message of repentance, perhaps the Ninevites would turn their hearts toward God, and he knew that he served a gracious and loving God, and, that, and God would probably forgive them of their sins. He didn't want that. So Jonah goes down to Joppa. He purchases a ticket, and he goes away. He goes to Tarshish instead of towards Nineveh because he wanted to go as far away as possible. And you know the rest of the story. If you don't, you can read it in your Bible in the book of Jonah. Just watch out for big fish. I just heard it the other day that a fisherman got swallowed by a fish. It was on TV or something. It's crazy. But God will get you back on purpose if he's calling you. So watch out. But I share that because all of a sudden now, it's just a really interesting parallel. 
Now we find Peter in Joppa. And God has given a vision to Peter, and we're going to read about that vision, where he is calling Peter to go to this house, a Gentile's house, because God wants to bring the good news of Jesus Christ now to the Gentiles. And thank goodness that Peter didn't run like Jonah did. He went towards the call. Let me um, read in Acts chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to do quite a bit of reading day of God's word because I just think it shares it better than I could share it. So let me read it, starting in verse 1. In Caesarea there lived a Roman off, uh, army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of an Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Have you ever thought of your prayers and your gifts are seen by God as an offering? Interesting thought. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So, so, so Cornelius obeys and he sends three of his servants to go find Peter, to go to Joppa and find Peter. Continuing in verse 9. The next day as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat, of a, uh, uh, on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry, but while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared as impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up into heaven. Scripture states that Peter, during this time, he's perplexed. He's received this vision. And he's trying to understand the meaning of the vision. And at the same time that he's trying to understand the meaning of the vision, you've got to get this whole thing, this whole story together. As he's getting this vision, all of a sudden these three men that Cornelius sent to his house have arrived at Peter's door. Hey, go see who's at the door. Guess what? At that same time, God gives Peter a vision and just says, hey, the men that have come, I have sent to you. I mean, God is orchestrating some things in the supernatural that are unbelievable. So Peter, here's the story of the three servants. They explained to Peter what had happened to Cornelius, and Cornelius had sent them to be able to basically say, hey, Peter, whatever God is speaking to you, you need to come and share it to our household. And, and so Peter invites him to spend the night, and the next morning he takes some of his servants, some of his, not Peter's servants, but some of Peter's followers, Jesus' followers there in Joppa, some of the believers, and they go with the three servants, and they go to uh, Cornelius' house. We're going to pick up the story in verse 24 of Acts 10. They arrived in Caesarea and fall. 
the following day, Cornelius, and that was Paul and, and some of the followers and the three servants. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up, I'm a human being like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, catch these words, I love it. You know, it is against our laws for Jewish men to enter into a Gentile home like this or to even associate with you. Now you think you read this, wow, Peter. You got to understand, Peter grew up in a Hebrew home. He grew up with the understanding that uh, from the, all the Old Testament all the way up to now that they were supposed to be separate. They were supposed to be not of the Gentiles. In fact, uh, Jewish laws would even say that if you accidentally just ran into a Gentile or bumped into him, you were supposed to go and wash yourself so you could be clean again. Think of that. Kind of crazy things. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Then Cornelius goes and explains how he had been praying and God had sent him an angel and told him that your prayers have been heard. And let's pick it up from the last two verses I want to read to you today in verses 34 and 35. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word today. God, let your word come to life to us by the power of your spirit. I pray that your word will not be ineffective, but the promise is true, that your word, Lord God, will change our hearts. I thank you today what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Peter then shares the good news to the household of Cornelius, to everybody that's there. It's his friends, and Cornelius, you know, he would have had other people, soldier friends, because he was a Roman centurion, was, was in charge of over 100 soldiers, and they were probably all there as a part of this. And, and Jesus, he starts, Peter just starts to share how Jesus had died for their sins and how we can now have forgiveness of sins through our faith in Jesus Christ. And, and as Peter is sharing, he's just... He's just Pouring it out there, guys. This is what the truth is. And, and, and God has sent me to you to, to declare this. And as he's sharing this news, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit filled the room. And the Holy Spirit started just filling people with his power. They were being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Peter is watching this, and the same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost in the upper room is now taking place among the Gentiles, the non-Jewish believers. They're being filled with the Spirit of God, and we're going to talk about that here more. So Peter, it says in the Bible, he immediately goes, hey guys, these guys, we're seeing the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Go and take them, find some water and baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ. And so they did. And then it says in Scripture that Peter stayed there for several days as he just shared the good news. Once again, the book of Acts is showing us how the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is spreading freely to all nations and to all people. And today I want to look at a couple of really simple truths that are, that are found in this amazing story. These are not deep theological truths. These are simple truths that I believe can change your life. And the first truth is this, and we're going to talk about it. Our heart needs to be open to God. Pastor Tom, that's pretty simple. I think I already know that. Let me just talk. Our heart needs to be open to God. Think about it. 
Peter had been performing miracles after miracles after miracles. Scripture says that his shadow would just touch someone and they would be healed. How many of you ever raised someone from the dead? Okay, I only see a couple hands out there. Um, Tabitha's dead. He literally prays over her and she all of a sudden comes to life. He's healing. You see all these supernatural things that are happening through the ministry of Peter. It's, a, it's an amazing. He was being used in mighty ways. I want you to catch this truth. And yet, there's still a heart change that needs to take place in Peter's life. It's a reminder for all of us that we all need to be open to God. Amen. So that God could change our hearts. You see... We come to salvation, yes, in Jesus' name. We've been forgiven all of our sins, yes, in Jesus' name. We start walking in the grace of God, praise God, in Jesus' name. But it doesn't mean that your heart doesn't still need to continually change. It means that our heart is all of a sudden in this process of things called sanctification, where all of a sudden the very presence of God living in us all of a sudden starts to get into the deep corners of our heart where there maybe is just a tad of deception or a tad of darkness and says, man, I want to have that peace, God says. I want to take that peace and I want to turn that peace in your heart towards me because if I can have that peace, you can do more and greater things than you could ever imagine because I have called you for more than you realize. You see, Peter was inflicted, inflicted with racism in his heart. And God needed to change that in Peter. Now, before we start criticizing Peter and thinking all that, that he's just you know, a horrible person, let me, let's be reminded of his upbringing. He was raised in a Jewish home that believed that salvation was really for the Israelites only. Of course the Israelites. We read through the Old Testament. They were God's chosen people, right? We know the Israelites were God's chosen people. It's the story of the entire Old Testament, how God continually chose Israel over all of the other nations because of one reason, the faith of a man named Abraham. And they can continually chose Israel over all the other nations. And Peter grew up with this mindset. He grew up including that, that he should never associate himself with the other Gentiles. And I share this because sometimes I think we just think that all of a sudden Peter decided to be racist. No, he wasn't. It was something that was ingrained in him as a little child. It was something that he was going to have to overcome. So God uses a powerful illustration about clean and unclean animals to share the spiritual truth that all people are loved by God. You see, the Israelites were forbidden by Jewish law to eat of certain animals, of unclean animals. So when all of a sudden... Peter had this vision of this tent that was coming down from heaven and it was filled with all these different animals and all of a sudden he hears the voice of God and he says, go and kill and eat of them. He refused. He said, no, no, no. Because it was against his customs, it was against his tradition. It was against the laws that had been put into his heart for so many years. I can't do that, God. But see, God needed to shift Peter's thinking so he uses this powerful illustration to get Peter going, like, wait a minute, you don't understand. And it reminds me that many times we come to Jesus with a lot of baggage. And it doesn't mean that God can't use you even with your baggage. But it means that God still needs to change you. Otherwise, you will never accomplish what God is calling you to do. You might accomplish part of it, but God is calling you to more. See, Peter grew up with that racism in his home. It was ingrained in him. In fact, he believed that what he was doing was right. And throughout the Old Testament, 
we read about it. They're called to separate themselves from the other nations, but I think they forgot the why. Have you ever forgot the why of what you're doing? I think Peter forgot the why. The Hebrew people forgot the why. There's times in a church we'll set some different rule because of something, and, and then all of a sudden, 50 years later, this church still believes in this, this custom or this tradition that they've put into their, into their church, and no one knows the why. It just all of a sudden become routine. And I think this is what's taking place in Peter's life. You see, it wasn't that God didn't love all people. God didn't call the Hebrew nation to, to separate themselves from the other country because he didn't love all people. But the other nations were worshiping false gods, and they were, and they were corrupting the Israelites. God didn't want the Israelites to fall away from serving him. And if you read through the Old Testament, you discover that this is the truth. This is the same thing that keeps on happening over and over and over again. The Israelites would, would repent. God would pour out his blessings upon them. They would go start serving these other gods of Baal. They'd start inviting these other gods into their lives. And all of a sudden, God would say, who are you? Why are you doing this? And then all of a sudden, God would bring punishment down upon the Israelites again to turn them away from the wickedness and turn them back towards him again. It was a pattern. So he called them to separate themselves from all these wicked nations. But now God is having to correct Peter's heart. The why wasn't because these nations were bad. The why, they were in the sense they were worshiping other gods, but God still loved the people. The why was because you kept on receiving these other gods into your life. He had to change Peter's heart. So the covenant of the promise to Abraham might be fulfilled. Remember the covenant? Genesis 17:4. You'll be the father of many nations. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. And the Bible says he was a God-fearing man, along with everyone in his household. And just like the Israelites needed a Savior, guess what? This centurion, this Roman centurion, Cornelius, and his household, they needed a Savior. Verse 2 states that Cornelius regularly went up and prayed. He prayed to God. He did wonderful things for the community. He gave to the poor. He fed the poor. He was a good, good person. And it was time to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to Cornelius' house. It's significant that Cornelius was a Roman centurion. Because it reminds me that it was the Romans who actually crucified Jesus on the cross. And it signifies the great love that God has for all people. That he would even pour out his love upon this very people that crucified his son. He says, no, no, my love is for them as well. His willingness to forgive all sins and bring all people unto him. But before this could happen, God needs to break down some prejudice that are found in Peter's life. I don't think it was necessarily easy. Verse 16 states that the vision was repeated how many times? Three times. Peter likes to work in threes. He denied Jesus three times. When Jesus was on the beach, he asked Peter, do you love me? Three times. And now we see another one of three times in Peter's life. He gives the vision. What he tells me, for you and me, what we can take away from that, is that God just doesn't give up on you. He's going to continue to give you. He's going to continue until you make the choice. Let's remember what God was asking Peter to do. It went against the very customs that, that Peter grew up with. 
It was forbidden for them to eat meat from an unclean animal. And therefore, Peter objects to what God is asking him to do. But then God lovingly reminds Peter of who's in charge. In verse 15, God spoke to Peter, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And sometimes we need to remind, be reminded of this simple truth, that God is God. We're not. Who are we to tell, what God, who are we to tell God what he's going to do? God will not, now God will not, just a clarification here, God will not go against his word. His truth is truth. But who are we to tell what God's going to do in our lives? And this brings us back to the truth that I shared earlier that is found in verses 34 and 35. When Peter finally understands that what God is revealing to him, and it states, I see very clearly that now God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. It should proclaim to us a loud and clear message that there is no room in our hearts for bigotry or racism. Jesus is setting the table that all people can be saved through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. The last truth that I want to share with you today, and it's going to be short, but powerful. Not only does God want our hearts to be open up to him, but also that our hearts need to be obedient to him. I don't know that we always realize that people's lives depend upon our obedience. Have you ever thought about that? People's lives depend on our obedience. In this story, there are two hearts that needed to respond to God. There were two visions given. One vision given to Cornelius, one vision that was given to Peter. Both Peter and Cornelius received that vision. They needed to respond. Both of them needed to put action behind God's word. Peter as a follower of Jesus and Cornelius as a seeker of Jesus. Remember, Cornelius, it says in scripture, was a God-fearing man, but was not yet saved by the power of Jesus. Man, you want to tell, it just reminds me of this simple truth. That we cannot depend on human goodness. We cannot depend on our own self-righteousness. We cannot depend on those things to think that we're ever going to get into heaven. Cornelius says in Scripture he was a good person, that he, that he prayed regularly, that he did, well, he, at least he did good things. Let's put it that way. He did good things. Yeah. Yet he was not going to go into heaven without the saving power of Jesus Christ. And, and Peter was sent to Cornelius to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Without Peter and Cornelius both obeying, opening their heart to obeying God, this story might never have been told. It required both to say, okay, I'm willing to obey you. Think of the impact that the obedience that Peter had, how that impacted everyone around him. It says in Scripture that Peter took some of his friends and followers to Joppa. They go there and they start to pray and he starts to share about the good news of Jesus Christ in this, in this household, Cornelius' household. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit pours out. Think of what the friends of Peter are seeing. They're seeing that, 
The same God that loves them is the same God that loves these Gentiles. It's the same God that poured out His Holy Spirit on us on the day of Pentecost. It's the same God that's poured out His, out His, His Holy Spirit upon the house of Cornelius. It changed the atmosphere. It changed the environment. It did something in their hearts and minds to all of a sudden break down all the previous prejudices and say, you know what? God loves all people. What would have happened if Peter wasn't obedient? What would have happened if Cornelius wasn't obedient? Cornelius not only opened up his heart, but he's obedient to the word. It says in Scripture, his entire household saved. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. What if Cornelius would have just brushed aside that vision and never sent his, his, his uh, servants out to go get Peter? Thought, oh, I just had a bad dream. We need to be sensitive to the, the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because the actions that, that Cornelius took didn't just save him. Boy, this is a word for some of you dads out there today. The actions that you do not only affect your life, they will affect your children's life, your grandchildren's life, your great-grandchildren. They will not only affect you, they will affect the network of friends that you have around you. Moms, your decisions that you make, the choices that you make, make are powerful. They can change lives. That little group of ladies that you meet with the children and you play at the park and you go, man, I just don't want it. Guess what? That can be a life-changing moment for somebody. Because you're being obedient to Christ. Our obedience changes lives. We see it in the story. Where all of a sudden, all of Cornelius' household receives Christ. And I believe because he's a centurion, he probably had a hundred soldiers up there in that room that day. And his family and friends. And all of a sudden the gospel is preached. And lives are changed. It's a great reminder that there are benefits to obedience as well as consequences to disobedience. And that our choices really do matter. And I share this whole story today. I share the God's word today in a powerful way. And it's impacted me as well. That our choices matter. I was at home yesterday and all of a sudden I broke out in a song and Annette goes where did that come from and I grew up with old hymns and sometimes those hymns just come out and I start singing them at the house and it's a simple hymn it's not a difficult hymn it's a very plain easy words it's a chorus of an old hymn that I sang as a boy but the story reminds me of that old hymn. It says, we must trust and obey for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. And I thought about some people who just seem like as followers of Christ and they're living such miserable lives. And I think, why? I speak to myself. Why do I go home on a Sunday and sometimes I get depressed? I don't know why. What's going on with you, Tom? You're a pastor. You don't have the right to be depressed or discouraged. But sometimes I think that comes from not understanding that we just need to trust and obey. 
for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You see, have you ever thought about how it is to hang around a friend who maybe you've told a lie to or you've kind of deceived and they don't know the complete truth and you're trying to hide something and every time you get with that friend and you hang out with them, you just feel awkward, you don't feel comfortable, you just feel like, oh my gosh, I wonder if they're going to, I wonder if they know and, and you just kind of feel uneasy and, and, and then all of a sudden you wonder why your relationship with Christ is struggling. Is there things that you have closed your heart to that you've not opened up things that God already knows. I don't know why you're trying to hide something from God. But you just, and all of a sudden you wonder why you're feeling uncomfortable. Maybe it's because we're not trusting and obeying. Maybe we haven't let those words sink true. There is no other way but to trust and obey in Jesus. And when we all of a sudden surrender wholly and completely to God. See, Peter, he was doing the miracles. He was doing wonderful things. But God had more. He still needed to change Peter's heart in one area so that he could even open up the Gentile nations, all the nations, to the gospel of Jesus. What is God asking of you where maybe there's just something in your heart that you need to surrender to God and put your trust in Him and watch what your trust and obedience will do in and through your life. I believe God has something good for you. I believe God has good changes for you. I believe God wants more than you even can imagine or think if you're willing to step out in faith. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Woo! We thank you your word is powerful, strong, it's effective, changes lives. God, I ask today for those who might not know you, who have never made the choice to surrender their life to you. God, I ask today would be the day that they make that choice. That they choose to follow you that they put everything else aside and they surrender their life to you. And if you're here today watching us online or you're in the house here today and, and you, you're saying, that, Pastor John, that's me. Let me share with you today how you do that. It's called a step of faith. And all it requires is to stop believing in your own goodness and you start surrendering to Christ and His goodness. And by doing so, all of a sudden, you're taking a step of faith towards Christ and away from your life your own life. It's as easy as saying this, a prayer like this, which just says, Lord, forgive me my sins. Lord God, I ask that you take control of my life. God, I surrender my life completely to you. Give me the power of your spirit today and help me do what is right. It's as easy as that. And then I just felt really engaged today. I'm not sure why the second service might be a little different. But for whatever reason, I feel this in my heart. Moms and dads, there's a word for you guys today that God sees the choices that you make and God will honor your choices if you're willing to step out in faith and if you step out in faith I don't care what your past looks like I don't care what your parents did I don't care what your grandparents did I don't care what kind of home you were raised up in I don't care if you came from a divorced home I don't care if you were told as a child that you're unloved and, and no one cares you cares about you and no one wants you I don't care about all that stuff I want to speak a word into you today that if you choose to step out in faith and you trust and obey in the name of Jesus Christ he will at that point set a mark right there at that date and time and say from that point forward you are going to serve the Lord and your household is going to serve the Lord your household is going to surrender to God your children are going to serve God your grandchildren are going to serve God set the date set the mark make a choice 
make a choice in your life. I'm not going to just sit back and let life take on and do whatever, I, whatever it wants. I'm going to choose to put my trust in God. And if you do that, I truly believe today God sees it. And He will honor you. And He will set you free from stuff that's been haunting you in the past. And you can move forward in faith in Jesus Christ. And you will watch your family do the same. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you are powerful and that your word sets us free. God, I pray that today, Lord God, we, our hearts will be set free in you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.